0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Uh, of what I'm talking about today. And so I just feel impressed that maybe we need to go there today. Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 18. If you'd like to put your finger somewhere else, Matthew 19, I want to read a few verses of Scripture from there. But Genesis 2 and verse number 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh now if you will Matthew chapter number 19 New Testament scripture here the Bible states if we may begin around verse number 4 if you will here today and he answered and said unto them have ye not read that which that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh what therefore God hath joined together let not man put asunder amen again my topic for this morning is the design of marriage. Let's ask God to touch us afresh today. Father, I come to you, Lord, this morning. I pray God, you would touch every heart, every mind, and every soul. God, as we would look at your word today, Lord Jesus, let it be God light, Lord Jesus, unto our path. Let it be food, Lord master, for our soul. I pray, oh God today, grant us understanding, grant us strength, Lord Jesus, in the next, Lord, few moments, Lord, again, to look at this design, God, that you have designed. Holy God, by your hand Lord and we'll thank you and we'll praise you Lord Jesus for you you accomplished Lord in this place in Jesus name everybody say in Jesus name amen you may be seated you may be seated this morning I believe it would go without saying yet I will say it and that is this uh, what we sometimes refer to as the institution or this uh, design that was made by God in the very beginning Uh, marriage in and of itself is under attack it's under attack, and it's not uh, just maybe under attack within the home, but it's under attack uh, by and large by the society in which we live. Uh, it seems like in many instances that our modern culture and modern society has, uh, are very desperate, uh, trying to understand and boil down and redefine uh, one of the oldest of all human institutions – That is the institution and the tradition of marriage. Amen. And so it's very troublesome to consider this, and the reason why is because in the Scripture, and you've heard me lean on this before, the reason why it's so troubling that marriage is under attack is because Christ in the Word of God uh, meant for marriage to be so protected, and so traditional from what it was from the very beginning to the point of time even in New Testament scripture that he said I'll use marriage that joining of one man and one wife together for a lifetime I'll use that to symbolize or be a model for my New Testament church of how I am in relationship with them the church and so he used marriage as that prototype if you will to represent the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church, or oftentimes in New Testament, the church is referred to as his bride, and he is the bridegroom. And so whenever all of the mechanisms and the cogs and the gears of marriage begins to be dealt with in the non-traditional way, or might I even say the non-biblical way, then you are starting to touch the model, the model and the prototype that Christ himself used to represent his relationship with the church. And whenever that happens, we're not just touching then uh, individual marriages, but we're touching people's concepts about how they should relate to God. Amen. And so uh, we live then in a society that's not just confused over the marriage concept, but they become confused then over this church and God concept because the marriage was the model the springboard for the concept of christ and his church and so whenever we see then a constant dissolving of marriage or even a redefinition of marriage now Uh, and please, I say all this very, very cautiously and genderly today, but whenever they're starting to redefine it as not one man and one woman that's joined together, but perhaps a man and a man and a woman and a woman, or even as I said Wednesday night, we're looking toward them, this idea even of polygamy coming through because they shot down the Defense of Marriage Act of many women or many men. Whenever that starts to happen, then you are starting to deal with the model that Christ instituted to represent His relationship with His church. And see, if you start to deal with that, there can be a lot of confusion rendered in Christ in His church. If there can be multiple wives for one husband in a marriage, and that's okay, that messes with the model. Then people think that Christ is going to marry Himself to a plethora of churches. With a plethora of beliefs. Oh, someone just help me just a little bit today and I won't feel like I'm standing up here alone. Uh, whenever you start messing with that, you're messing then with the whole, the whole model. And God, in fact, designed the marriage to represent that relationship that he desired, amen, with his church, with his bride, amen, that he desired to have with his creation, if you will, from the very earliest of days that we read this morning in the book of Genesis chapter number 2. He used that to demonstrate, amen, even the intimacy that he would desire to have with his people, with you and I, his church, his bride. And so that's been diluted. Uh, The meaning of marriage has been diluted. Uh, the the attack, they have attacked the foundation if you will of marriage itself Uh, marriage is a wonderful institution Uh, anybody uh, that uh, has been married, I know you can get bad taste in your mouth but by and large ask those that have been married for eons of years and I would hope that they would tell you it's a wonderful thing yes there are drawbacks yes there are things that have to be worked through but all in all, the benefits that I receive outweigh any negativity that's involved in the union. Yes. Amen. All, right? all right? Amen. And so, so Christ wanted to represent that union with, with, with His church. Amen. And so there's a lot of things happening in our court system today and a lot of things that's happening in our governments today, amen, that's somehow whittling away at this idea, amen, in this model of marriage. But when we look in the Scriptures, we understand, and who would have ever thought, and you, you hear this sometimes or oftentimes uh, brought up in marriage ceremonies, uh, that as a, a couple's getting married, uh, we talk about, Lord, you bless this marriage today as you bless uh, the marriage of Cana of Galilee that you uh, showed up to in the New Testament Scripture. And I, I don't know who would have suspected that Jesus and his uh, little group of disciples would cause such a stir as they did in Cana of Galilee in New Testament Scripture. Uh, no doubt it had to be more than him just being there because Mama said, come over. I believe he had a divine purpose for being there in that little small village uh, of Cana of Galilee. Uh, and, and really, there's, there's not a whole lot concerning Cana that gives it a whole lot of distinction, uh, whenever we read of the wedding that took place there, uh, we don't read that there's this great pomp of, of dignitaries that are flowing to this wedding, that it's some high, uh, uh, esteemed grouping of people that came together. Matter of fact, we don't even know the names of the bride and the groom at Cana of Galilee. We, we, we don't know the names of the bride and the groom. And uh, we, this is just... Uh, you get a little suspicious the whole miracle that happens there has to uh, center around but they ran out of, out of their beverage and to think that they did might even indicate maybe they were somewhat of a people of a lower income they didn't even have enough beverage uh, and, uh, to go around for everybody that, that, that they invited and it all seems a little, a little particular or peculiar that Christ would come and he would appear here on the scene and notice now uh, we read of all the miracles and signs and wonders of Jesus Christ, but the Bible plainly tells us in John 2:11 that this beginning of miracles, this beginning of miracles, did Jesus and Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Now, this is just me, but this is the first miracle that Jesus Christ performed in his earthly ministry now from this direction backward we see all that he had done but that was his first and you know the first time for anything man the applause is greater you know you cheer a little louder whenever you've done it five or six times you know it kind of loses its pizzazz so to speak but whenever it's the first this is and out of all the play you know he could have chose for his first miracle uh the, the taking care of an unclean spirit in somebody He could have chose for his first miracle uh, to allow a lame man to walk or the blind to see or the raising of the dead. That would have been a pretty fantastic first miracle. But no, the first miracle that he chose to exercise and demonstrate his power and authority happened at a wedding. Mm -hmm. It happened at a wedding. And him being there, just him being there alone at the wedding, seemed to a certain degree to sanctify that marriage. When I use the word sanctify, I'm saying make that distinct. To set that apart from any other marriage that had happened in the land. Because why? Because Christ was there. Amen. God incarnate, God robed in flesh, was there at the wedding. Uh, for one part, and we, we try to say this, you know, marriage you know, in the church should really be a, a, a religious and, and a church, you know, a biblical act, and that's the reason why we try to endorse and we try to insert, you know, Christ and the meaning of God being a part of the marriage because it would be a whole lot better if God was a part of a whole lot more marriages. Amen. And that he was inserted there whenever uh, the ladies and men are making out their guest list, it'd be great if they just put Christ at the top. (laughs) Amen. Uh, He needs the invitation, I think, uh, into our marriages and so it was a very gracious thing he sanctified that he set it apart because he was a part of the marriage and so he came and he set his stamp heaven stamp if you will of approval upon this anonymous bride no named uh, and which I think tells me something that anytime a man and a woman come together he would like and desire if he was made a part of that so he could put heaven's approval Amen. Upon what was taking place Uh, one person said this, he said someone once said that the miracle uh, at Cana of Galilee with the wedding he said that was Jesus' wedding gift to the young couple everything that took place and happened there. But, but, but this festive occasion which Christ's presence was was so apparent to us it seems somewhat symbolic because I believe it speaks to us that, that God God in his relationship with mankind he wanted to share with his people because in the Old Testament prophecies again marriage being that model the Old Testament prophecies Prophecies, the Bible speaks the Almighty, often speaking of God, referred to Jehovah's great love for the nation, and he sometimes spoke just like this, for thy maker is thine husband, the Bible says. Thy maker is thy husband, the Lord of hosts is his name. In Isaiah and another place of Scripture, the Bible says, as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee amen as a matter of fact whenever israel was having problems amen in being loyal to the lord he spoke to them whenever they broke their covenant and they broke broke that relationship so to speak amen he spoke to them as as a husband amen as though they broke a relationship a husband that was a wife that was breaking a relationship from a husband amen and he told us even a new testament scripture he says i betrothed you unto me forever Someone say, forever is a long time. <laughs> forever is a long time. He says, I betrothed you to me forever. In 2 Corinthians 11 in verse number 2, the Bible states these words, and I don't have all scriptures for you up there today, but he says, for I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. He says, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste, virgin to christ what he's speaking about he's speaking about his church he's speaking about our relationship with god that he used marriage as the design and the model for so this thing called marriage was designed by god and some of the principles principles are hard fast they usually don't change some of the principles remain unchanged and unalterable we read in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18 if you wish to go back there brother Zach McGee that he said it was not good that man should be alone I will make him a help meet and a help meet for him yeah. amen sometimes we have read that he'll make us a help mate but the scripture says that he'll make us a help meet and Adam needed a help meet He needed a suitable companion, amen, to assist him. Amen. And God himself ordained who that help meet should and ought to be. It was in his plan. It was one of his first acts after creation. Look, one of the first acts after creation was the marriage. Amen. first acts after creation was the marriage. God established it. He made it. Amen. Uh, In in Northern America or where we live, you know, oftentimes in our society today uh, lies a lot of the responsibility of the bride you know for the planning of her wedding making sure every detail is there I know the husband or the to be husband may help in some of that but she has the last say so you know that's the way it's going to be that's the way it's going to look this is the song that's going to be played we have all these these things she's planning and strategizing uh, for that wedding day and for that marriage Uh, but in the first marriage in the first marriage the Lord laid out the plans. Amen. In the first marriage, the Lord laid out the plans. But that was going to happen between the man and between the woman. He laid out the plans. Everything had to be right according to what he thought. Amen the groom was going to be that woman's protector and her friend and her lover and and she was going to be that man's companion and supporter and admirer if you will but God set all of this up not only did God originally design the marriage but he also made it a solemn and joyous occasion why? because look you could not have had a better preacher joining two people together everybody today might want a certain people marry them I don't know but Adam and Eve they didn't have a better preacher than putting the two of them together because the Lord himself joined Adam and Eve in holy matrimony. And in essence what we try to do in, in the office of a pastor, in the office of the ministry or what we should try to do is to be the representative on this earth still yet for God. And so as we stand up here and I'm by far not God but I'm trying to stand as a representative and we should with a certain level of reverence and respect as we approach the marriage altar, approach it with that concept. That I'm not, uh, you know, you might see it just standing before Paul McGee, but we oftentimes say in marriage ceremonies, we stand before your friends and family and before God this day because just as much as he joined that first woman and that first man together Amen. still yet today in essence when we come into the presence of the Lord and the sanctuary of God and we go through those vows and we go through those promises we are still yet doing that in the sight of God now consider there was no mother of the bride in the first wedding amen there was no guys you didn't have to worry about a mother-in-law And I can edit that out. I love you, my mom. If she ever hears this, and I'm not even talking about my mom-in-law. Amen. But there was no mother of the bride in this day. God had made that woman from the rib of Adam. There was no father of the bride in this day. Consider it in this fair. There was no father of the bride. There was not a man there to give Eve away, except God. There was no father, there was, there, no, right. there was no one there, you know, who giveth this woman to be married to this man. Today the father says, Well, her mother and I, or I do. In that day, it was God's choice whether he was going to do the giving. That's right. Hmm. I think we might have needed to just get back there just a little bit and still see if the giving away of the bride to the man is still sanctioned by God. Yeah. Amen okayed and endorsed by God yeah. amen and so we have this foundation of society uh, we many times look at it as the family but we go a little deeper in that family particularly composed of a man and a woman marriage the foundation if you will of society and with that being said God had an intent because he wanted uh, children to be born in homes uh, with some devout parents to one another that would nurture and love and develop uh, those children to no doubt honor and respect, if you will, God. And so it's critical in our day because there's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure in our modern day culture because every moral is being challenged. Every moral is being challenged and that of marriage and even of families is being challenged. They're challenging, if I could say it like this, they're challenging the foundation of all society. With that being said, they're they're, they're, they're challenging the foundation of the family. They're challenging with that the foundation of the church. The foundation of all society. The Bible says in Psalms 11 and verse 3, it says, if the foundation be destroyed, it says, what can the righteous do? If you tear apart, if you redefine, if you, if you re-mechanism this foundation that has no doubt stood the test of time, has the stamp of God on it from the beginning of time all throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament, thousands, thousands of years. And, the, you know, the old saying is if, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And yet now you're trying to get your hands in it because you want to redefine it, you want to shift that in and pull that out, add that and subtract something else. What are you doing? Why are you messing with something that's worked? Why are you messing with something that the... Listen, why are you messing with something when this was designed by God? Have you got, have you got a little problem with the way that the earth is set in orbit? And how far this distance from the sun that it was 3% more tilted? it would burn up or 3% less tilted away from the sun. You'd be in the eternal ice age. God did that. Do you not think if he has the capability to handle that part and aspect of our life, then this thing that he called marriage that he designed is also just fine and well, left well enough alone? Hear me today. You know, well, 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 we'll trust him with this aspect. You know, we'll trust him with creation. But when it comes to marriage, God, let us get our hand in this if he was good enough and is good enough to have things as they are before us today amen and design them as such and I don't see anybody trying to get a big enough crane to tilt the earth any direction further toward the sun or away from it if he's, if he's good enough for that then why can't we just automatically trust him with this institution called marriage someone say amen, amen. but if the foundation be destroyed what well, shall, well, shall the righteous Mitch McConnell, United States Senator, said and stated, he said, traditional marriage, the union between a man and a woman is the cornerstone of our society and the best possible foundation for family. I amen that statement. Absolutely, absolutely so. But, as we know, it is under attack. And as it would seem, anybody that would defend that definition of marriage that traditional definition of marriage then we're labeled as right winged we're labeled as extremists we're labeled as bigots oh yes if you're going to defend, just defend that, that traditional view of marriage so there's this, this, this big shift that's happening today amen and then something that we have and, and again listen folks I say this very genderly gingerly There is a message that's often promoted today by uh, the community of alternate lifestyles that they just simply want their unions to be accepted. Amen. We talked a little bit Wednesday night about how many have uh, been accepted in the United States. Amen. Which I believe the number was 17 and 33 have banned such acceptance within the United States. They just want to be accepted. But listen to me very well. The demand then for a full-fledged acceptance and approval of their so-called union is then asking for an approval for an unbiblical lifestyle. Asking for approval of that is asking for the approval of something that is non-biblical. Mhm. And so this is just more than politics. Hear me? This is more than just government. They're asking for the approval of something that is non-biblical. Amen. And so many people have realized that an attack on the traditional marriage is actually an attack on the Bible. It's mm-hmm. an attack upon that which the Lord has set from the very beginning of the world. Uh, the President of France he stated, he said, "Our model must remain that of a heterosexual family. Children need a father and children need a mother." Yes, they do. Amen. And here's here's something that I derive from this, folks. We talk about the heterosexual sexual family and we talk then about the whole concept of whenever there is an absentee father. And there are statistics upon statistics, the negativity of not having a father in the family. Right. And then there's statistics then whenever there is an absentee mother, that, that child that has not the motherly figure in its life, that you have been a great breakdown in that child's life as a result of it. Been, beg, I beg you to answer me this question. How is that any different than if you're trying to raise a child in a male and male atmosphere? Is there not still some statistical drawback because there's not a true motherly influence there? Or a father and father couple? Is there not, do you understand what I'm saying? There's still, if they say for the heterosexual, for one of them to be gone, if the mother's gone, it's negative. If the father's gone, it's negative. What about families that have no male figure or no female figure? Is there not some negativity taking place somewhere? someone say amen is so everybody doing okay Is I'm making some people uncomfortable here this morning just because of the subject matter amen I'm sorry I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable and, and I apologize if you think this should be talked about the church, in the church but let me tell you if it should be talked about anywhere it should be talked about in the church because if they're talking about it in politics in government and talking about it in the classes of your kids schools then I'm going to talk about it in my home. I'm going to talk about it in the pulpit. I'm going to talk about it in our Sunday school classes. Nobody's being silent because my eight-year-old girl's in a classroom. I'm not going to be silent from this pulpit. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. So we got this, this grand design that God did for the purpose of of companionship the, the Talmud the old Jewish writings that are accepted by the Jews used to read a man without companions is like a left hand without a right hand you just, you just feel a little handicapped you don't know what to do and, and as we all times said again out of everything in Genesis that God said was good or God said was great the only thing that he ever looked down his nose on and didn't have that good or greatness around was the idea that Adam was alone Uh Adam's aloneness did not get the the stamp of of goodness or greatness out of everything that God said was good and everything that he thought was great. It was not good. The Scripture said in Genesis 2.18 that the man should be alone. And we receive instruction time and time again in Scripture that no doubt a individual can do a certain amount on on their own but we know just by general knowledge and understanding, you can get something done a little bit quicker or maybe even better if you have just a few more hands to help. And so we read in Scripture in Ecclesiastes 4, the Bible speaks to us about, you know, if two are walking together in one fall, one is there to pick the other up. And folks, let me tell you, in my own personal marriage, I'll tell you right now. I don't know how God does it but he does it he is just he's just awesome that there have been more times than not that whenever my wife has been down I've been encouraging up and you know what it's allowed me to help her and whenever I've been discouraging down she's been encouraging very seldom now there may be times both of us are up but there is very seldom probably could count on one hand where both of us were down God ordained marriage from the very beginning with all of that chemistry So that when one's down, there will be another there to help the other up. He also said, yes, that's all right. Let's give glory to the Lord. Thank God for that. There might be a man or woman down this morning saying, thank God for my spouse. Amen. He just designed it. I don't know know how that works, Sister Rhonda. I'd be a fool to tell you that. I I don't know how it works, but that's just the way it works. God's so mindful of us and he said then if, if two lie together there's he he was speaking about this community of two whenever two are together and then he speaks about this joining or this togetherness of two and he's then he, he makes the, the mention in Ecclesiastes 4.12 he's talking about these two that are closely joined here and he says then a three cord is not quickly broken three and so I have one man and what, what we need if we, could, if, if we were to clearly define the marriage even for government today just from being one man and one woman that's joined it's one man and one woman with one God hallelujah that's joined together he becomes that bonding agent that is between them and so God wants to intertwine himself into the relationship between a man and a woman God wants that I, I tell people sometimes in marital counseling's that for us not to keep God in our marriage man and woman is to ask the designer to take leave and not be a part of something that he created and designed now if, if, I, had, if I had something if I owned something I knew the person who designed it and built it the best person that I can go to in order to have any type of insight about what might be going wrong with what I have, is go to the person who designed and built it. But whenever you keep God on the outside of your marriage and the outside of your life, you're keeping the designer and the builder of the very thing He instituted when He has all the insight, He has all the knowledge. If there's something wrong, He knows how to get it fixed. Amen! Right there within our home, our marriage, and our families. God wants to be a part of that. Now, not to be remiss, but I think the ladies that God has provided in our life, that God didn't just provide them to be a housekeeper. Or just a confidant. He didn't just, let me just ease in a little bit, but he didn't just design them to be our sex partners. Amen. It was vital for her to be a part of our life so that she might complement who and what that man was. And whenever she is, she shares in, in all of her spouse, in all of his hopes, all of his dreams, emotionally, physically, and should spiritually. Amen. And all those different things. It's unique to me that, that, that Adam recognized that Eve was uniquely different than all the animals that was paraded before him. The animal world was created apart from Eve, and yet they're coming before him. Adam's naming this, he's naming that, because whenever then woman is created, and God brings woman to the man, he tells us in Genesis 2.23, Adam says, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh this 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 is a, a woman was taken from a part of him and now she was one with him he noticed the difference between all of that and with that being said that's a good line against anybody that's thinking about practicing beast alley uh-huh Adam notice the difference <laughs> she's not walking on all fours she's walking on two that's of my gen- that's of my kind that's of, that's of the same species that I am a part of. And the Eastern Bible Dictionary then translates those words, help meet, that is found in Genesis 2, 18 and verse 20, as a help as his counterpart, a help suitable to him. Help meet. Not just help mate, but help meet, if you will. Suitable, adaptable, complementary for him. It corresponds with him. It's one that fits him. And again, again, and again, you'll hear me say all of my life uh, that that man or that woman was not brought into your life to complete you. I know that terminology used a lot. And I mark it out, mark it out. I read the love books. And whenever I say love books, I'm not talking about romances. I'm talking about things for people's marriages. Amen. Because of the position I'm in, I've read all kinds of stuff. Let me tell you, I bleed at my ears and my eyes. And a lot of times you hear this stuff or you even hear people proclaim it Oh, he just completes me. Hogwash. At best, he or she compliments you. Scripture says in Colossians 2.10, That we are complete in Him. We are complete in Him. And herein lies the problem. If you're joining with that man or that woman and you're under this false idea that they are going to complete you, and you start to find out along the way that's not true, we got problems in Texas, folks. Yeah. We got problems. Because... I thought you were going to fill the voids that I had in my life. I thought you were going to be the solution to that, you know, that, that 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 variable that I was looking for. And so, if you, whenever you go into a relationship like that, you have put a, a improper improper balance and measure on whoever you're marrying because you're asking them to be God for you. You're only complete in Him. That's the reason why still when you are married, you need Christ to be right in the center of that marriage. You will complement one another, but you'll only be complete as long as He is a part of it. And there'll be problems if you think the other's going to complete you. It will never happen. You've got to have God for completion in your personal life and in your married life. I think sometimes there's problems there. People have fell under that false idea. They're going to complete me. It don't happen. There's still some holes there. There's still some voids. I guarantee you the great God of heaven can help work and fill and invade all those other voids and areas in your life if you will allow him to. And so again, just as much as God could have created another man for Adam, he didn't. But he created something that was suitable, something that corresponded to him. Amen. He created a woman. That complementing him, that corresponding to him, that's, let's go back to the word suitable. That which was suitable for him in the eyes of God was the opposite gender, a woman. God says, that's suitable. And so, common knowledge. Just think for her here for a moment. To have anything else outside the woman for that man, if having her is suitable, having anything else in that stead is what? Not suitable. Does not correspond. Does not even complement. And by far, it'll never happen. Whether male, female, or male, male or female, female. Complete. That only comes from God. Someone say, "Amen." Amen. And so, thank the Lord for the ladies and thank the Lord for the men. The things that they do complement each one of us with. And as the saying goes, opposites do many times attract. There are times that you have people that are the same that come together and somehow it works out and it has to be because God was in the middle of it all that they weren't like two magnets of the same polarity that repulsed each other. Uh, but uh, a lot of times it is the, the opposites that attract. And again, I believe it's all in that complementary mode because whatever I lack in, they, they are strong in and vice versa. And so there's a complementary mode there between the husband and between the wife as a result of that. And so uh, thank the Lord that times have changed concerning uh, the way that wives were treated in the culture of the Bible. You're more than a piece of property. Because that was the, that was the ebb and flow of it. Uh, during the culture of their day, there's a piece of property, just like a donkey or a horse. Sell it when you want to. Loan it out. But that ain't you're not a household appliance today. You're treasured and loved. Hopefully you support your husband. He honors and supports and loves uh, you, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. And so that woman was brought to Adam. I believe that's important, that God brought the woman unto Adam. Amen. To be a part of his plan amen let me seek out my time here I want to find a good stopping place if I may <clears throat> here today um, I, want to, I want to just kind of and I really folks I'm not trying to get into a series I was not doing this but the Bible speaks it's just the way of life I go so our pastor our pastor preaches so long sermons he's got to go 30, he's got to go 13 weeks in order to get it done you know <laughs> I kind of felt good the other day. A pastor's friend of mine, I went to their podcast and listened to his sermon. He preached for an hour and 20 minutes on Sunday morning. And that is not typically what he does, but I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good. Yeah. So the next time anything starts going on, I'm just going to play that here at the church. And uh, everybody just say, man, we love our pastor. He preaches about 45 minutes. Hallelujah. <sighs> we got a little bit more time. Let's consider something that once, once this Adam and Eve was married, and uh, let me say, the Bible says in verse 23 of Genesis 2, Adam recognized this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And the Bible continues in verse 24, there sh- Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh they shall be one flesh there is the what we call the leave and the cleave principle the leave and the cleave it's hard to cleave unless you leave and so when we talk about marriages and again this is you haven't been married by me this is just somewhat what we spill out but the leave and cleave principle amounts to this is that as a woman comes from her home there are certain aspects of her home and traditions of her home that she's going to carry with her into her marriage. Uh, for, one mo- for one thing, whenever she's exposed to some of her, the roles that her father plays in their family or her mother plays in their family, a lot of times she'll enter mar- marriage believing that the husband then should do the roles that her father had done mm-hmm. and that she should fulfill the roles that she's seen her mother do. However, where the waters meet when you come together is now the husband comes with a mother and a father as well and the father in that family might have did some roles that the mother had done in that family and the mother yes might have done some roles that the father did in that family and so we have a woman coming in with preconceived ideas of what the row should be and a, a husband coming in with preconceived roles what should be and they're unstated and they're unmentioned and yet when the other doesn't perform like they think they ought to perform because that's the way their mom or dad performed guess what we got argument happens Here's, 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 here's the thing folks and th- there is a lot of give and take within the marriage covenant and that is you cannot expect then for the lady to come in and the man just say okay honey we'll just do it exactly like your family did it and you can't expect the man to come in and say honey it's not going to be any other way except the way that my family did it you leave and that's more than just leaving home but sometimes you've got to meet compromises and you've got to leave some of even those traditions or, or rows of man or woman in your, your family, of your parents, and, and you, you, you come in and what do you do? You cleave to each other and you make some of your own traditions and you create some of your own rows. You as a man might do some things that your dad never did. There's nothing wrong with that boy they're just maybe it's time to close but you might seriously maybe your dad never cooked a meal and he didn't even know how to boil water but you come in because mom might have showed you a few things and you cook every once in a while for your wife there's nothing wrong with that I hear the lady saying amen thank you very much amen maybe he vacuums the floor here and there maybe his dad never did that there's nothing wrong with that Amen. Maybe she likes to get out there and help mow the lawn. Right? My wife, man, whenever we had a lot of lawn to mow, son, we loved doing that together. There's nothing wrong with that. So you got to leave and you got to cleave. There's a leaving and a cleaving. And whenever we speak about the cleaving, uh, that cleaving together, that word cleave in Genesis 2.24 means to cling or to adhere to. It actually means as though the man and the wife are glued together together leave and cleave you're you're, you're glued together that does not part according to scripture till death listen to me very closely and I want to say this and again I, I love everybody I'm just talking about the Bible this morning now listen to me by and large when you have two things that are glued together and that's been adhered by God You're talking about a perfect adhesion that he forms right there. It's glued together. If you, for the most part, ever try to rip something that is glued together apart, you don't get a clean break. Somebody hear me? You don't get a clean break. A lot of times there's fragments of each piece that is left with the other piece. Somebody hearing me? That's the reason. The only way that this thing is Dividable or over with by death according to scripture because whenever you say well well, they die they're still going to be a ripping apart yes but that's not man doing it that's God doing it and don't think for a moment he that put them and joined them and glued them together can't get a clean break at death somebody hearing me right now now listen to me Now I'm just stating this because see here arises the problem and again I I please know my heart know my heart this morning I'm saying this in love Whenever people go through multiple relationships of marriage and then remarriage and remarriage, what happens is there's a break that didn't happen by death. Fragments of the first is still a part of them. They come with somebody. Let's say this person's never been married before. This person's been married twice. You start to try to glue that together. You got fragments of the previous relationship that's involved in the bonding here. And so... It's there, it's together, but it's not what it could have been if there was never any fragments involved. Right. And statistically, second and third, as you get, continue getting married and remarried and remarried, statistically, those marriages don't last as long. Statistically. Why? Because if you get broke again now from this marriage, you got fragments from the first, fragments from the second, and if you go try to join that to a third, it's hard to get a hard, fast glue a hard fast cleave that happens right there you saying brother mcgee you're saying no marriage like that can last baloney there's some that i could point at today that does but let me say this you take a greater risk and i didn't mean that for the cloud of doom and despair come in but you take a greater list that's the reason why marriage is for life because if god joined them and he glued them and fastened them at death He can dissolve that where there's a clean break. And the Bible says that person then is free to marry again, but only in the Lord. How can that happen? Because of the clean break at death that God does, and it's not man that does it. If you'll stand with me this morning. Thank you for indulging. For all those that this may have been very sensitive to, thank you uh, for indulging. I appreciate that. And I hope you understand my spirit in talking about this today. I don't have no sword to, sword to grind for anybody, but there are precepts in this word concerning that we've we got to go back to and we must imperatively revisit. Revisit. And not just for those who are unmarried, but those of us who are married. We need to revisit. Revisit these things. Hallelujah today. If we bow our heads all across this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.